Bad in a Podcast, sponsored by Flyro. Podcast, what is going on? Look quickly before we start this piece of audio gold. I quickly want to tell you about Garden Club, GDN Club. It's available right now. As part of membership, you'll get a weekend breakfast podcast inspiring you while you eat your cornflakes to get outside into the garden. You'll also get a monthly behind-the-scenes video with a make-to-create gardening idea to do with the family you'll get the digital version and the audio version of the how to get kids gardening book you'll get a private and exclusive community area which means that you can share ideas with other members of the club and instant access to me which means you'll be able to message me and i will instantly get back to you answering your questions it's all available right now for 39.99 a year which is about three pound 30 a month which i don't think is too bad all of this supports getting kids into gardening and supports the podcast too plus if you are a school and a teacher that means you get it for free so there's access to absolutely everything from garden club free for teachers if it sounds like something you'd like to be part of or want to find out more hit up skinnygenegardener.co.uk forward slash gdn now let's get on with the podcast Tonight's show, tonight's Victorian kitchen garden was the the 1980s, the late 1980s, I'm being told. The Victorian Kitchen Garden is a 13-part British television series produced in 1987, a year before I was born. It created a kitchen garden of the Victorian area at Leverton, Berkshire, near Chilton, Florida, Wiltshire team. Should we watch it? Do you fancy? Should we get into it? Let's do it. If you've not seen this before, basically we uh, we watch it. I do pause it a lot. We do go into little, the smallest of things. How long is this episode? Half hour long. Last week, we did a whole <laughs> two hour show on half hour, me and Richard Suggett. Uh, so let's see how we do tonight. If you've got any comments, tell me what you think. If you want to call in throughout the stream, then please do say hello. Get involved. Uh, if I share audio, is that the right thing to do? I'm not sure if I'm meant to share the audio. Let me try this. Right, you guys, you guys are going to tell me. I need to, I need to be told if this works or not. So we've got it on the screen tonight. Can you hear that? If you, if you, can you hear that? We can't, we can't actually, we can't move on with the show until we know that it's coming in loud and clear. I can hear it, but can you hear it, dear listener? Working, it's a bit loud. Don't worry, Ian. Let, let's try this. Let's try. Um, we're go, we're gonna get get this working for you. Let's try this out.
How about that? Is that is that not perfect for for Sean? Oh yes, it's a bit loud for it's a little bit loud for Ian. If it's a little bit loud for you, possibly turn it down on your own <laughs> on your own thing. Uh, throughout tonight's show, I know that Mister SJC, not SJG, I should be be mentioned. Uh, two different people. He's, he's almost an expert in this. So we'll be taking his comments throughout. And if you've watched it before, uh, taking your comments. Let's see what's about no Charlie Dimmock. So mentioned uh, is Charlie Dimmock. No Charlie Dimmock in tonight's show. Sorry if that, that disappoints. <laughs> right, okay. Let's get into uh, watching a little bit of the Victorian Kitchen Garden. It's going to be nothing like last week's show. <laughs> I feel I feel a very different pace to... Oh, by the way, if you're on YouTube, will we get done for this? Last week, they didn't like Ground Force, but it's a very different pace from last week. It's like watching a Sean James Cameron YouTube video, this. Stolen straight... Oh, helicopter above me. Um, stolen straight from, from his, his YouTube channel, isn't it? Ever since last autumn, eight long months ago, the gardeners had to produce harvests out of season, working against nature. And there must have been many days when he was worried, had he got enough produce to satisfy the cook in the kitchens up there in the big house? The way this guy speaks is really, I mean, I can talk, is really annoying. If you listen to me, I am talking very much like it is. <laughs> Ian says, no Charlie Dimmock. That's it. I'm off to the pub for an hour before I get forced to close. <laughs> every, 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 ever since last autumn, eight months, long months ago, the gardeners had to produce harvests out of season. Working against nature, there must have been been many time when, but now the boot's on the other foot. This is Peter Forday. Should I, should I know this guy, Peter Forday? I oh, pronounce his name, is it? Shall we continue to hear what Peter has to say but now the boots on the other foot how does it how does Sean know every single word 
I didn't realise it was Sean was literally saying what <laughs> saying what he's saying. Now <laughs> the poop is on the other foot. If Bill and Ben pop out of the top of that, I'm going to go nuts. It's July and the first glut of the year. And what a crop this soft fruit's got. But in early Victorian kitchen gardens, it was not the black currant, but the more common white currant that was most prized. Has anyone... One, has anyone grown a white currant? Or has anyone tried a white currant? I don't even know if I've... Not something you see about, is it? Anyone? White currants. Apparently they turn into pink jam. Oh no. Raspberries are a bit like motor cars. What's he talking about? What? This is White Dutch, one of the very few 19th century varieties available today. It was the sweet white currant the kitchen most often asked for when Cook was preparing fresh desserts for the dining room table. He looks happy. The more acid red currants made pie fillings or jelly to accompany the estate's other delicacies, jugged hare and venison. The black currant was thought of as medicinal by the early Victorians. It was only with the breeding of a sweet variety, black maples, that still dismissed it to roly poly. Gone are the days. Now, I miss these days. I think we've got a, an elderly gentleman, shall we say, who lives down my road, always suited and booted. Gone are the days. I think I'm going to bring it back. Bring back gardening in shirt and tie. I want to see Sean James Cameron in a shirt and tie and some proper trousers um, <laughs> gardening. All right? Nowadays, raspberries are a bit like motor cars. A bit. I've paused this because. But Sean James. I'm keep referencing him, I know, but he literally just wrote that a second ago, didn't he? He knows this word by word. Bigger and better model almost every year. But there remains one variety that dates from the days of the horse and carriage. Yellow Antwerp. 
it's become quite rare. We had difficulty in tracking down a nursery that could supply it. Maybe it owes its survival to the fact that no one's bothered to breed a replacement. Yellow have a poor reputation for flavour, a view we can't altogether go along with. The yellow ones are the ones which are surprised. Who's this guy? Where's his voice come from? It's me. Although they made very poor growth last year, they've carried some useful fruit this time. And uh, I must admit that... Can, so, can we someone reference this voice? It's just come out of nowhere. The flavour of it is much better than I've often given them credit for. What was that? Who 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 was that? They don't even reference who that was. Right, Harry Dodson is the person in the garden. Is the garden in the shirt and tie? Yellow raspberries are wonderful. I love a raspberry. I do love a raspberry. I think Jackson said he's just planted some raspberries. Do you say that, Jackson? Raspberry chat. It's just a raspberry chat. Lunchtime's over anyway. You're just irresponsible, and if a foreman catches you, you'll have had it. Yes. Well, he may not be the most responsible member of staff. But with the right head gardener, he'd have been earning his living by now. I think we all know that strawberries are pestered by birds, but kitten power as a solution was a novelty to me <laughs> until I read it in an old book. Come on. Come on. No one is, I've never heard a gardener say, like in Garden's Question Time, they don't say, oh, I have a problem with my strawberries and, um, I wondered how to save them. The birds keep coming down. You got a cat? You got a cat? Get a cat. This geezer is literally the Adam Frost of then. Apparently, they used to put a collar around them and attach it to a running line. And the poor little chaps had to patrol up and down, up and down all day, scaring the birds. He says the poor little chap, but he has literally got the same setup. Well, in spite of him performing so well, we're not going to use child labour in our garden. So it's back to freedom, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> he didn't even do anything. He didn't even do anything. Surprised old Rusty didn't get have to do that. Flipping out! I thought Gardner's World was slow paced.
stop the press. <laughs> stop the press. JC uh, uh, just said, oh, shoot the, um, I can't actually it, can't say that. <laughs> that word. <laughs> Evening, Carl. Carl, you've still not uh, messaged me about your VIP card. <laughs> Watching the Victorian Kitchen Garden tonight. I'm not reading SJC's comments anymore because I've got a feeling I know what's about to come up. Did you get them, Harry? Yes, look. One, two, three. Oh. What? What just happened there? Did he just did he just load did he just load a gun? Everything was just really right. For everyone that's listening to this on the podcast, some really nice visuals. We've got some caterpillars. And we're on a good old munch. has just loaded a gun. Don't see Monty do this, do you? <laughs> what? <laughs> what goes on? <laughs> Shooting cavalry is great. Garden of Finn. Why don't they do that anymore? I'd I'd come and watch that. The great, the great British. Caterpillar shoot him. Did you get him, Harry? Yes, look. One, two, three. Oh, I've read this in several old books, but uh, goodness knows who ever thought of it. But he must have been a very desperate man. <laughs> <laughs> and yet it appeared to work. Well, look, they're in the line here, aren't they? Yes. How many are still stuck on? That's the proof of the well, pudding. Well, that's rather interesting to find out. <laughs> There's nothing on, no. on these branches, Harry. I think it must. Yeah, there's nothing left on the branches. There's hardly any branches left, Harry. What is going on? What is going on? What is oh seven after the break? Oh seven four two three five seven four five two zero. If you were allowed, would you shoot caterpillars? Let me just interrupt this podcast by saying that this podcast is sponsored by Flymo. Yes, Flymo. 
If, like me, you've had that final cut of the lawn and the lawnmower is stored away in the shed, that doesn't mean that gardening stops. And that also doesn't mean that Flymo don't have some amazing products to help you out throughout the winter. One thing that I absolutely love is the Sealink 20 volt Combi Pack 3 in 1. It's an interchangeable, lightweight, and easy to use 3 in 1 gardening tool. You've got a grass trimmer, a hedge trimmer, and a blower, which, especially at this time of year when I've got loads of leaves in the garden, is absolutely perfect for me. You know me, I absolutely love Flymo. They're an affordable and quality tool, which, when they're cordless like this, makes it so much easier just to get out of the shed and just get out there and get gardening. If you head over to flymo.com right now, it's free delivery on all orders over 45 quid. And so if you want to continue your garden adventure throughout winter, that is the place to head to. Right, let's continue the podcast. Okay, we are back. Oh, and we have a phone call. Hello, hello, caller. Oh, we just missed it. Oh, we just missed the phone call. Well, we're not starting. We're not going to go back into this until that caller calls back in. Wait for it. Phone. Wait, everybody. About to ring. Everyone hold off. We're waiting for that call to come back. Uh, we've got hat. Oh, I bet Charlie would, Charlie would off camera. I'm not sure I said the thing. Shooting caterpillars, great pastime garden event. Uh, Harry was no friend of the dentist. That's a bit unkind. And uh, here we go. Hang on. Hello, hello, caller. Ever since eight long months ago, the gardens had to produce harvests out of season, working against nature, and there must have been many days. When he was worried, had he got enough produce to satisfy the cook up there in the kitchens of the big house? But now, the boot's on the other foot. Have, have you got a script? I've watched it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I was like reading your comments and I was like, how does he know what's coming up? It's John James Cameron here, London calling. Of course, everyone knows, mate, you're the only caller ever anyway. <laughs> the, 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 the thing was, I picked the July episode just because it was sunny. I'd completely forgotten how much comedy element is in it, if you've never seen it before. Because I, I know what's about to come up. I, I just can't get my head around the shooting bit. <laughs> You'd never get that anymore, would you? Health and safety didn't exist in those days. Could you imagine now that, that you're at Wisley and... <laughs> Uh, Matthew Pottage would turn to his assistant and go, John, go and get the guns. <laughs> go get the guns. <laughs> Here's the keys to the cabinet. Go get them. <laughs> well, I've learned a lot, mate. I've learned that cats, if you've got a cat, then you can protect strawberries, which I didn't think about. And But, uh, it's, but it's got to be attached to a rope. Obviously. I mean, why wouldn't you? And uh, I need a pistol. So um, things are going to change around here after watching this show. Well, you you will look at gooseberries in a whole different light in the next three minutes. Well, I can't believe. I mean, <laughs> how many times do you you've watched this? Quite a few thousand. <laughs> thousand times. <laughs> uh, oh, mate. Well, thanks for your. It's because of you that we're watching tonight. So um, that's why everyone's learning. Well, there's, a, there's another 12 episodes of this and another three series. What? Crikey. How many years did it go for? Like three, three, three four years? 
They did the Victorian Kitchen Garden in 86, 87. Yeah. Yeah, in 86. And then they did the Victorian Kitchen with Ruth Mott, who you wouldn't want to slap off her hands. They were like saucepans. <laughs> and then there was the Victorian Flower Garden. Oh. Then they did the Wartime Kitchen and... What was it? The Wartime Kitchen Garden which you wouldn't be able to play because there's a lot of archive footage from the Imperial War Museum in. Ah. And then they did Harry's Big Adventure, where they sent him to Canada and the first time he ever went in a plane. He'd never been in a plane before? No, and he doesn't write, and he doesn't really get the concept of... He said, I'm in the plane, but we aren't moving. And then he realised, because you can't see any buildings, you can't really he couldn't tell that the plane was moving so he thought the plane just went up and sat there oh my god <laughs> and the earth spun around it uh, i really already love this guy i've never heard of him before but i'm already loving him so yeah um do you see harry so, do you say harry's still about no harry died oh. um harry died 12 years ago yep, right and I, and I went to his funeral Four years ago. What? <laughs> so I went to his funeral ten years after he died. Why? What? How? When? What, hap- what happened was he died, and his wife had about six months to, you know, to live, but because she had dementia, they didn't. They couldn't get any sense of what to do. So they put Harry. They cremated him and they put him on a shelf. And it wasn't until five years ago that somebody asked, where is Harry buried? And then they realized he was still in the undertaker shop oh. on a shelf. Oh, my God. So yeah. about four years ago, I was invited to go and film, film the funeral. Um, so I met all the cast and crew um, and everybody that was involved with it. And then a few years later, Ruth Mott, who was in the Kitchen uh, series, she... She then died. Oh, right. So about three, four years ago, I went to interview Peter Thoday. And on the day of filming, he said, um, oh, Sean, I'm just falling. I'm not feeling too well. Could we rearrange it? And I said, Peter, I'm not being bombastic, but I'm on the train and I'm coming. (laughs) 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 So I turned up and the first thing he said to me is, I'm happy to do the interview, but I just need to to sit close to the close to the toilet door. He's still with us. Yes. Oh, thank God for that! I thought you were, I thought there was a bad end to that story. <laughs> story. And he can't get over how a series that was done in the eighties is still people are still talking about it. And there's another wave of interest because during the lockdown, somebody found it if in in New York. Yeah. So she did an article for the New Yorker, and that has renewed interest in the series. And there's a possibility that he could be coming back out on a paid as you go thing on Netflix. And I'm I'm trying to be mysterious, but uh, it could be it it could come back out on uh, Netflix because the TV company is interested. Be a banger. Um, so, yeah, it would be an absolute banger. They should do like a a a 2021 version of it. Well, there's a lot of the like the main people have died except for 
um, Peter Foday, the producer, is still with us. The woman who came up with it is still with us. And a lot of the people you see in the background, the assistants, mm-hmm. they are still with us. So there's still a lot of people around to create something. But I've actually been to the gardens, and the garden now is just a field. And, that, it? and if I could have afford, if I could have afforded it, Harry's cottage came up for rent about eighteen months ago. But you would rent the cottage and the land where they made this series. But it was like four and a half thousand pound a month. Oh. But if I could have, I would have hired it and put the gardens back and made a YouTube series out of the whole thing. Yeah, that would have been incredible. Not even a YouTube series. That would have been a whole other TV show on its own, wouldn't it? A lot of people said, why didn't they turn it into a tourist attraction? But what you've got to remember is the land where it is, it is is still owned by the big house. So one element you may not get with this is this is the, the walled kitchen garden that is part of a large country estate, which is about half a mile away. Right. And the family is still there. Oh, so, oh same family. And at the time, uh, Colonel and Mrs. Ward didn't understand that people would be interested to go and see these type of gardens. Heligan, the Lost Gardens of Heligan, only happened about, I think, 10 years after this. Um, and once people realised people would pay and go and look at these type of gardens, um, I think this would have been a hit. But obviously the time the time had passed. But this entire series cost half a million pounds. Wowza. A lot of money back then. Because, because it's all recorded on film. Oh, oh I see. I've got you. Wowza. That's crazy, oh. isn't it? So is this like a garden very similar to Halligan's one? No, only similar in the sense of they found a garden and they opened it to the they opened it to the public. Oh, okay. Not like but it's walled, so Halligan's got that sort of thing in it. I've never been there. I don't know much about it. Um but this now is just a walled it's just a walled garden which is divided into two. That's We're cool. watching uh, the first section. The second section has been rented out to the locals, and mm-hmm. there's a there's a woman there from uh, Hung, from Hungerford who is growing her own flowers. And what they've done with Harry's office and the outbuildings, they've done them up, and they rented them out to the local offices and start and uh, startups and things. How do you know so much about this program, Sean? Because I'm. The unofficial historian for it all. Because I spoke to, I I had the pleasure of speaking to Harry and Ruth. Yeah. Uh, a few years before they died, and I was going to go and film with them, and they were like, "Well, what's the video for?" And I said, "To be honest, I've got no plans. I just want to film it for the sake of filming it." Yeah. It was a polite way of saying, "We just need to film it because you'll all be dead, and then once <laughs> you're all dead, history's gone." It's such a way of words, Sean, isn't it? Which is the whole point of this series. Yeah. If they didn't film this, then history would just be gone. And they were both up for it. But I was in my 20s at the time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how many ideas you've got. If you haven't got the finance, even for a train ticket, then it's not going to happen. So true, my friend. And that's why it didn't happen. Just because I didn't have the money for a a train ticket. And that's the biggest... regret that i've got that i never i got to speak to them on the phone mm-hmm. but i never got to see them in real life 
Well, ah, there you go, mate. There we go. Well, at least we've got this to watch. Well, let's go on to the gooseberries next. Goose, we're very excited. I mean, and it's strange what old men will do with gooseberries on a Friday night. God, I feel like it's so annoying. You know exactly what's about to come. <laughs> All right, thanks for calling in, mate. See you in a bit. Bye. Bye, dude. Doing <laughs> uh, that chat. Uh, uh, Rob's just arrived. Rob's just arrived. Just arrived. What have I missed? I'll tell you what you've just missed, mate. You've just missed Harry shooting caterpillars with a gun. Welcome to Skinny Jean Garner Show. Simon's just turned up. How's it? Quick stop in the say hello. Hello, mate. Good evening. Um, if you and Dan's just tuned in as well. Hi, good evening, everybody. Hope you're well. Yeah, well, we're tonight we're watching. Uh, if you just tuned in, the Victorian Kitchen Garden. So, I'll, I'll I'll replay the gun incident one last time, and then we must get on. Are we, are we good? Okay. Last time playing this bit. <laughs> Did you get him, Harry? Yes, look. One, two, three. God. I've read this in several old books, but uh, goodness knows who ever thought of it. But he must have been a very desperate man. <laughs> he must have been. <laughs> and yet it appeared to work. Well, look, they're in the line here, aren't they? Yes. How many are still stuck on? That's the pretty Well, <laughs> that's rather interesting to find out. There's nothing on, no. on these branches, Harry. I think it must be the shock waves, you know. It's I would not think hit so, them, yeah. obviously. No, of course no. not. No. no, it's just the air going yeah. past. No. I'm sorry. I like your explanation, but no. It doesn't do anything. I think we can add rhubarb to our list of July soft fruits. It's used in the same ways. And after all, the old gardening books called it the delicious fruit stalk. The first crop on the cool north facing wall the fan-trained Morello cherries were always picked with special care. My first experience of these was at Stansted Park in pre-war days when I was a young journeyman in the kitchen gardens. And they were done there on a really grand scale. The trees were 18 feet wide and 7 to 8 feet tall. They were enormous trees, immaculately tied in each winter. This wood, this new growth, was all tied in at about an inch of... Has he got a trollap, a trancher? Toad on his arm, Harry. Just keep an eye out for it. Part. It was great skill required 
and it took a long time to tie one tree in. They I really like this tiny idea. Like I'm really, I, I think it's such a great use of space. In fact, one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is I'm trying to train an olive tree against the fence. Bizarre than it looks. But it's worth it, isn't it? In the end, it's worth it. Harry seemed to think so, so, you know, if Harry thinks so, it's all good. They look really beautiful. And they look beautiful, so Harry said so. Don't you say any difference, he'll get his gun out, all right? When the crop got to this stage, two or three days before, uh, arrangements would be made with a housekeeper that the Morello cherries were ready. Morello cherries are ready! Oh, Harry. And uh, large flower trunks, as we called them. They were large flower boxes. They were about 18 inches wide and about four foot long. And they were lined with white tissue paper. By the way, everyone that, that uh, is watching on YouTube, we'll come, we'll come back onto YouTube now for like two minutes. If you're watching on YouTube, people usually just hang around and hope for the best. If you're watching on YouTube, the best thing to go and do is to go on to... Oh, best thing to do is go onto Facebook. For some reason, YouTube love to stop me from doing this. They don't like me streaming this stuff. Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter uh, is the place to go. Uh, I don't know, bang on me for this on YouTube, haven't they? Sorry. And the cherries were pulled off of the string. Of course, when you did that, immediately you got a little bead of juice. So that's a final call. Final call for all of YouTube. Please, please head over. Please head over to Facebook or head over to Twitter or Twitch. Twitch wouldn't do this here. <laughs> If anything, we're promoting. I mean, maybe. How does it know? How does it. YouTube, if you're watching, how do you know? We're just promoting the fantastic Victorian Kitchen Garden. Anyway, Morello cello, cherry, cherries, guys. Morello cherry. There's still some of you on YouTube. Go, go on to Facebook. Go on to Facebook. Big Brother always knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. On the top of the berry. So you had to place them onto the tissue paper as quickly as possible. I missed that. What did he say? Go back, go back, go back, go back, Harry. I need I'm here to learn as well, Harry, so he won't go back. Hang on. And they were large flower boxes. They were about 18 inches wide and about four foot long. I think I might have skipped it, but let's just crack on. And they were lined with white tissue paper. I didn't. Hang on. Paper. And the cherries were pulled off of the string. Of course, when you did that, immediately you got a little bead of juice on the top of the berry. So you had to place them onto the tissue paper as quickly as possible. Otherwise, it became very messy. And I... To be honest with you, I thought it would be more of a tip than that, but makes sense.
think that this was done to save the ace staff a rather messy job. It was probably easier or thought to be easier to pull them off of the stalks hanging on the tree than to sort them all out in a basket. Is it me? Or does this, say, does this feel like filler? I'm pretty sure at the time they didn't really care, surely. Let them deal with it. Let them get messy. Leveller, broom girl, early sulphur, Lancashire lad, ripe gooseberries. They're a real luxury. But it's not thanks to professional gardeners that they became a choice dessert on the dining room table. Most of these varieties originate in Cheshire or Lancashire. In fact, many of them were bred in the back gardens of weavers' cottages. You could say that fine gooseberries and cheap cloth are both products of the Industrial Revolution. Goosetree in Cheshire looks like any other quiet English village. But every year at a certain hour on a particular July evening, mm. a strange custom begins to unfold. Dave Heath has not come to help George Hume in his garden. He's there in an official capacity. Just hope that uh, we can find a few that are reasonable for tomorrow. These two are taking part in a continuing gooseberry tradition, the growing of gooseberries. What size are them? Not just ordinary gooseberries, but very large show gooseberries. Told you they were big, didn't I? Show gooseberries. Can't even grow one gooseberry, let alone show gooseberries. Their Victorian forebears were so proud of their skill at growing and breeding the fruit that they often had their photograph taken, holding their prize-winning variety. It's the evening before the show. Under Dave's watchful eye, George is selecting his entries. Apparently, this still goes on today. So what, he's got to be here to watch them to make sure he gets them from the right place. Why are you buying them from old uh, supermarket, mate? Right, let's try this one, Dave. Right, Not the biggest berry now, the premier. The objective is rather different from the average flower show. It's weight that matters, and berries are checked on the same kind of scales that have been used for generations. I'm sorry. How much time <laughs> have these two got? If retirement looks like this, I can't wait to be retired. If you've got time just to sit around <laughs> and do it, so much time on their hands. So much time. Yeah. Right. Oh, now then, you've cracked it. That's a better one. Yes. Yeah, Should we get another knock that off? Nothing to beat that, so I don't think. Pure. Excitement here. Well, in fact, I'm sure there isn't. Mm. Right. But it's only the next one now, second one. As each berry yeah. is selected, no, it's placed in a lined wooden box. The top prize goes to the heaviest in the show. They call it the premier berry. Among other classes, there's one for the biggest yellow, the biggest green, the and the biggest white. What's this one? I'm trying this one. 
It's Thursday night. It's five to nine at night. And all of us are sitting here watching two men weighing gooseberries. Let that sink in for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Okay. Once a box is full, it's tied down. It's Dave's task as the official witness to put his seal on it. Official witness? (laughs) Official witness? When the box is opened at the show, everyone will know that there's been no cheating and the berries inside it were grown by the owner. This is incredible effort going to this. Spacious on this one. The next afternoon in the car park of the village hall, all the contestants arrive with their sealed boxes. I'm not being funny. You could so just wiggle that string off. And for anyone that says it goes through the handle, just take the handle off, wouldn't you? Stupid. Must have screws in it. Just remove the handle. Bet it went on. I bet you it went on. Dave knew. It's not just pride that lies behind such attentive looks, but the fear that a berry might have burst overnight. Right, gentlemen, creamy berry time. Anybody about... What did he just say? Did he just say creamy berry time? (laughs) Creamy berry time. What's that mean? The heaviest berry ever to win the championship did so in 18... Right, stop. I knew Beddows would have a go at this, right? Beddows just said, did he not put wax on it? He put... Oh, yeah, good point. Because if you put wax on it, you wouldn't be able to... You're not telling me that, that all of them boxes, though, Beddows, the wax stayed stuck to the box. I'm not having that. That would just... That was not going to stick to wood, is it? That would come off over time. Chuck it in the back of the car. Oh, yeah, sorry, Dave. Sorry, Dave. Are we... Are we am I actually thinking of ways to cheat in this gooseberry competition? Yeah, sorry, Dave, when I put it on the passenger seat, it just sort of uh, must have knocked the, the wax off. Honest. 52. Called London, it weighed in at 37 penny weights and 7 grains. That's almost 2 ounces, about the size of a hen's egg. It's pretty big, actually. The Red Buried London holds a record for winning the Premier Berry Award 30 times. But in spite of that, it's out of favour now, and other varieties have come to the forefront. Watch the scales. When I call this competition a strange custom and not a show, I think that was a fair description. I'll be honest with you, I would have called it a lot worse. (laughs) 
because the berries are not displayed at the start of the proceedings. They're played one against the other until at last the winner is found. Not this again. Not this with a whole room full of berries. Please. I beg you. Any more big berries? Oh, wait. Any more against this one? Any more against this? It wasn't that, it was a bit twisted, yeah. <laughs> he knows. I come to this gooseberry competition without a pint, mate. They've all got pints, actually, so... He's brought his missus behind him as well, his, well, his mum, I'm not really sure. No. Oh, Frank Carter's on. Any more? I've got a young three of that this time. Yeah. Could we have the association witness, please? As befits such a long-standing event, the winners still weighed in those penny weights and grains. I wonder if the local school converts it into grams so proud sons and daughters can appreciate the magnitude of Dad's success. I doubt they even give a monkeys, I'll be honest with you. As if, as if your dad come back and go, son, your old man's won again. Yeah, nice one, Dad. 25-22. Frank Carter grew this year's premier berry. In the goose tree tradition, he's raised the variety himself, a product of 30 years' experience in growing monstrous gooseberries. In the old days, Frank would have won a copper kettle. Now the prizes are a bit more modern. He won a kettle. All of that For a kettle. Good old Frank Carter. Unfortunately, apparently Frank Carter's no longer with us. He won a kettle. All of that for a kettle. All of that. Don't, they took it pretty seriously, though, didn't they? I mean, I'm surprised Red Bull haven't sponsored something like that. That's still going on. Let's uh, continue to watch it. Uh, just a quick heads up to everyone that's watching the stream, not listening, but watching the stream. We are back next Friday for the show. We're having the week off, but we're back for a Halloween special on Friday, if you want to watch that. Right. It's not about the kettle. It's what it represents. Sounds like that hot water to me. As high tea reunites the afternoon's rivals into ranks of contented gardeners, so the award-winning berries come together to form their ordered display. <laughs> it's good to know that traditional skills live on in these old fancies. For some, it's leeks, others chrysanthemums. But for the men of Goose Street, it's gooseberries every time. Man believes. 
At Chilton, the seeds of the old martock and soldier bean, which we were given by the Northern Horticultural Society, have grown enough to be planted out into their final positions in the south border. Well, the germination of these old varieties of beans has been wonderful, almost 100%. As you saw, there was three beans placed in that pot and each bean germinated. Delighted with the germination. In fact, the germination of this old seed is far better than some of the new seed one gets today, which is quite something, really. I'm very much of the... I'm very much. I didn't know. I didn't think I was going to like this program. It's there's certain charm about it, isn't there? There's a certain charm about this. So, what do you have to grow to win an iron? <laughs> I mean, you just know that. Uh, what can I give away this, this year? <laughs> For the great pumpkin off. You could win an electric heater, an old, my old signs, electric heater. I just had to get rid of the freezer, actually. I could have given that away, can I? But I was taken today. What did you say? Double, double trench in there. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is there's a certain charm to this programme, which I really enjoy. We're looking forward now to see what the crop is going to do. I'm sure there's many more interesting features yet uh, to be seen from these old varieties. Is it a turtle? Is it a tarantula? I don't know. The wigwam Harry made in May is now covered with the runner bean painted lady. Great idea for kids there, just hashtag the same. This was known in the old catalogues as the Lancaster bean because of its red and white flowers. They're so showy that some gardeners used it simply as a decorative climber. What is that? That's not from Ghostbusters. Green slime coming out of a pot. What? We're going to find out. I hope it's not a drink. It's going into some sort of kettle, so, oh, God. The latter years of the 19th century gave the gardener his first fungicides. A concoction of copper sulfate and lime was discovered by accident in the vineyards of France. Probably don't drink this. Just, just saying. Again, hashtag just saying. Around Bordeaux. Workers noticed that when lime was mixed in a copper vessel rather than a wooden one, it seemed more effective in controlling mildew.
that chance observation led to a fungicide known to generations of gardeners as Bordeaux mixture. I love this little cart thing he's got he's going to be spraying his plants with. I'm guessing he fills that with a bit of water as well. It's not straight in there, is it? I can remember when I was a boy, the paleiform was blown onto acres and acres of potatoes for potato blight. The uh, carter that was operating the machine and the horse used to have to go out at the break of day in the morning. <laughs> apparently this... <laughs> apparently this does go... Plenty of gardeners as well. <laughs> I'm guessing this is pretty lethal. Lethal. It's not done anymore, is it? But uh, as Robert said, luckily he's got his safety apron on. So, um, so while he's spraying this up against the wall, I mean, you can't see on the podcast, but he's he's got a, a big old like wheelbarrow full of. Of chemicals, I can't remember what chemicals. It doesn't sound good, does it? They can't be good. If you want to sit, apparently, if you want to see the car, it's now in Lambeth Garden Museum. So, if you're heading that way, uh, on mornings when there was an heavy dew, so that the powder adhered to the foliage of the crops, there was no good in going out on a dry morning. Otherwise, the powder just blew away, didn't stick to the crop, didn't do its job. The growing of celery in trenches like this will always be and always was very expensive on labour and very expensive on the amount of ground it took up. So any catch crop that could be caught off of the top of the ridges was always worthwhile. We're planting lettuce here, a roundhead lettuce, which will be in and cleared before the trench tops are required for earthing up the celery. Quite a clever idea, that really, isn't it? Because for me, I just thought, oh, it's just that soil just sit there, but they're actually making sure they use use it. I like that. Harry's got all the ideas. I love Harry. Other crops that could be grown was radishes and quick maturing turnips. And all of them was always worthwhile to have and were sought after at that time. And uh, it saved the waste of these tops until the top was required again for earthing up the celery. Gaily coloured bedding plants must be one of the best known and best loved relics of Victorian gardening. Their arrival had nothing of the slow measured pace of change typical of garden fashion. Suddenly, it seemed that each spring boxes of young half-hardy bedding plants filled every available space in the glasshouse. 
In the few short years between 1845 and 1850, the craze for elaborate floral displays swept the country from end to end. When did, when did, what year did he say that was? Why don't it reverse for me? Reverse? <laughs> say again? Space in the glass house. In the few short years between 1845 and 1850, the craze for elaborate floral displays swept the country from end to end. I mean, I bet that was incredible. Each design demanded the production of literally tens of thousands of bedding plants. They filled the rash of flower beds that had been cut into the lawns surrounding virtually every large house in the country. Most of these highly colourful plants had only recently been introduced by plant collectors. And since the great majority of them are sensitive to frost, they had to be either overwintered in glasshouses or raised from seed every year. It must have been a nightmare for the head gardener. This huge number of plants required every year. Just a question on this, right? Obviously, yeah. A, a massive amount of plants. Where did they get them from? I, I'm guessing they grew them, right? But how could one go? How could how could how how did they grow so many? If if you look. Yeah, I'm surprised it didn't pop down to the garden centre, right? I'm guessing that's not not what happened. How? Apparently, they grew them all from seed. That is that is crazy. That is what? Today, almost all the terraced lawns of our stately homes have lost their flower beds. Sad times. But the tradition of bedding out lives on in some of our town parks. And there's no better example in the country than here in Harrogate. Why, they're even using the Victorians' favourite bedding plant, the geranium. Geranium. Most wild geraniums are straggly plants, best grown in pots in the glasshouse. That all changed when a Nottinghamshire gardener bred a dwarf form. He called it General Tom Thumb. Small with bright coloured flowers, it was ideal for bedding and it soon became the nurseryman's best seller. Then in the 1870s, they hit the jackpot. Variegated types. Immediate effect. No waiting for flowers and absolutely weatherproof. Not a single person's never had a geranium, surely. There must be about oh, 15 or 20 plants to a square yard in these beds. They're packed out, these beds, right? Apparently, this is still there now. If you're going to Harrogate, uh, you can check this bed out. If, I mean, to be honest with you, where is Harrogate? <laughs> I was going to say, if we weren't in this COVID situation, I drive there now. Um, proper packed out. 
I still can't get over that they. I mean, I suppose they did back then. They had to grow them all, didn't they, from seed? But that is a lot of plants in it. A lot of plants to look after. A lot of plants. And that means that in a scheme like this, which is about the size and scale of a Victorian house design, there would be over, well, 50,000 plants. And I've got a sneaking suspicion that those head gardeners must have been silently relieved when they read the first critics talking about the hideous miles of scarlet geraniums. Imagine just from a critic that it wiped out the fashion of, of that sort of thing. Nuts, isn't it? But there's really nothing better than a good display when it's well done. Music is good in this show. Got to give it to you. I've got to give it to you. Apparently, Harrogate's in North Yorkshire. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Yorkshire. I'm not popping up there anytime soon. I met a grizzly bear in a hotel this in Harrogate. I don't know what to say about that, Beddows, but nice one. And TNM didn't <laughs> do mail order then. It's impressive, but not convinced about the colour combo. Well, do you know what, but like, doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter. Just chuck it in. It's multi-colour, mate. Just go nuts with it. Just go, just chuck them in. Just chuck them in. I mean, to be fair, at the time, you probably weren't thinking about that. Well, you just if, you, if you've got to grow 50,000, I mean, not 50,000 there, obviously, but it's a lot. The last thing you think about is colour combos. Just gets, gets plenty. Just block it. Just block it. Yeah, it's just sort of. That's the pattern. It's meant to be like that. In our garden, many of the vegetables are now at the stage where they would benefit from extra fertilizer to supplement the farmyard manure that was dug in last winter. I really like this show. The only thing is, I can't really tell what the garden looks like. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're seeing a lot of these clothes. I can't really picture how it looks. True to our period, we could have used one of the early artificial fertilisers. But we opted for a free and plentiful supply off the estate. These freshly collected cowpats from the park this morning placed in his bag all these old estate gardens used to have their tank mm -hmm. of liquid manure chiefly of cow also of sheep droppings if sheep were available on the estate and generally especially if chrysanthemums and cinerarias were grown to any great extent. There was another one of soot. Sean just said, um, see if you're listening to this. He's put cow pipe in a bag. Sean said, always reminds me of a of a cup of tea. 
And then, and then what are you two talking about in the, in the group? Harrogate is lovely, but I bet his tea room is expensive. Oh, mate, it's Betty's. It's Betty's not in New York. There's one in Harrogate opposite the flower beds. When it ends, go back to the open titles and you see an overview of the garden. Oh, okay, my fault. How do you like your tea, Strampley? No milk, thanks. In that, in that one, <laughs> no milk. The sack of manure looks and works rather like a giant tea bag. And the comparison with our national drink doesn't stop there because the old gardeners judged the liquid manure to be the right strength when it looked like tea. Oh, thank God for that. I thought he was going to say they tried to drink it. Before it was used, it would be given a prod with a stick to stir it up again. A certain amount of sediment always settled in the bottom and it was made sure that the whole content was of about the same consistency. I did this with elephant poo once. Just saying. Not quite on the same level as what they're doing. We've used it on the fruit, both soft fruit and the hard fruit. It's been used on the runner beans. It's been used on peas. It's been used on several of the pot plant crops. But I love, love, love these wheelbarrows that you can put water in. Actually, I say you need one of them on your allotment. Love them. One of the things I think that gets most advantage from it is a crop of celery. Celery loves anything to do with cow manure. It puts on a nice dark green appearance and it gives you good solid sticks. July ends on a note of triumph. Harry's produced a magnificent crop of the old marrow fat pea, knee plus ultra. Beautiful. The variety my father's sharp eye had saved from oblivion. Well, they're not bad, Peter. Well, they're better than not bad, Harry. Considering they were six weeks late, I think they're exceptionally good. Yes, they were late and they had a rough time after <laughs> they were planted. They got away quite well. And then uh, just at a critical time, of course, we had this exceptionally dry spell yeah. with yeah. rather hot and drying winds at the same time. Well, better taste them now. There's literally nothing better. And I bet Bellows absolutely loves this because he's a big, he loves his old peas, doesn't he? But there's nothing better than having an old, is it called a pod, isn't it? A pod from the pea. A, ped, a, a pea from the pod? That's better. Nothing better, is it? Which one's the side grow those peas? He's still in that jumper. Long day of filming. <laughs> I grow the, I grew those, grow those seeds. Peter gave me some seeds of those exact peas. Wow, that should be in a museum. But just should have kept them. eBay. Gloating over them, you know. Yeah. They're sweet enough, aren't they? They are sweet. 
Yeah. They're much sweeter than a lot of the modern varieties. I love Harry. <laughs> See, if most people saw peas that size, they'd think they were they far gone beyond, past it. absolutely. Yes, the nail goes in, you see, no trouble at all. It's certainly a marrow fat that stood the test of time, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And the Plu Ultra. It really is. A variety, what, more than 100 years old? More than 100 years old, yes. Why don't we get these yes. back in the seed bank? It can have another century. We can, yes. It'd be rather fun, <laughs> wouldn't it? He's thinking, oh, I must give Sean some of these. No. No, Ray, we're not at the end. Bruce Willis. I oh, know Bruce Willis, sorry. Wow, wow, wow. And that's it. That's the end of that show. I can't believe it. That just ended really quick. Not even a goodbye or anything. What episode was this one? Series one, episode eight. Ah, oh, I love that. That needs, if that ever. I'm just going to pop back onto the, because you can see. Oh, yeah, he's right. Of course, he's right. Oh, yeah, at the start, we, sh we saw how the garden was, didn't we? So I think, for some reason, I seem to miss that. But, um, now I can see it. It's quite a big little, quite a big little that's against each other, isn't it? Not a bad size little wall garden, that is it? <laughs> oh, wow. There we go. There we go, team. Who needs Dimmock when you've got Harry? Harry's such a legend. Such a legend. I love Harry. And uh, Sean just wants to know he's having this music played. In his um, his funeral. Well, I don't know what to say about that, but okay, Sean. <laughs> Thanks for letting us know. Uh, something's just come in on the hot off the press team. Hot off the press, uh, as it usually does behind the scenes. Here, uh, if you want to send me anything, then uh, let me just put this on mute. Compare mute. Then uh, Lee at skinnygingana dot co.uk uh, this is oh actually hot of the press from uh, SJC right a oh, cool oh wicked well done Sean nice one man right so uh, tonight if you've just joined us then <laughs> want to win a kettle <laughs> if you've just joined us then uh, you've missed out we've watched uh, the Victorian kitchen garden and to continue tonight's show uh we have got hot the press from uh, mr sean james cameron searching for the victorian kitchen garden hey, it's a special video and i'm out in the van with rick van man and we're in search for chilton foliat and if you remember back in the 80s there was a this is exciting man Nice one, sure. Oh, oh, we can put. Can we watch the whole thing, Sean? Is that all right? Are we allowed to do that? I probably you probably copy strike me tomorrow. Um, this is exciting. Searching for the Victorian Garden with Rick Fan Man. It's an old school vlogger, man. 
There's a TV show called The Victorian Kitchen Garden starring Harry Dodson and we're trying to find where the garden is. Do you reckon he found it? Do you reckon? Now, there's a big house up there. You can just about see through the trees. There's like a stately home. And that house is the house that actually featured in the series. So we must be quite close. There you go, you can just about see it. So I've got a feeling, Rick, that if we go down this lane, that's where the garden will be. I really want him to find it. I really want to find it. Come on. Now, the series stopped in about 1986, so I'm not expecting great things. I've been told that it's basically a field now and that everything's collapsed. So it'll be a sorry sight, but we'll just have a look. Because here is where the wall is of the Victorian kitchen garden. I don't know. I can't even tell you how excited I am to be watching this. After watching that show, my, it's my new favourite show, I'm telling you. That's got to go on the Netflix show, I'll tell you. Let's start a campaign. Hashtag Get Victorian Garden on Netflix. Yeah, that's it. I'm not even kidding you, right? I know if you listen to this on the podcast, you can't actually see this. But the wall... The wall... Office kitchen garden is massive. How, like, I can't even tell you. I'm not very good at measurements. Like, five meters tall, maybe? Five meters? Might be, might be a bit of an exaggeration. Uh, I've just thought, I've just had a quick look through the fence there, and it is. Yeah, a sneak peek is a, is a sorry sight. Oh no, oh no, I don't know if I want to see this now. I don't know if I want to see this. You're in, it's about 30 foot. I think we can go in because I think there's shops there. It's a little, it's a little business village. Yeah, could do with a cup of tea. So, these are the stables that were next door to the. Victorian Kitchen Garden, which we never actually saw on the series, but I remember speaking to Harry Dodson a few years ago, just before he died. He said this is where the old stables were, where they used to get the manure. Sean, if you ever want to do a Victorian Kitchen Garden podcast, once this COVID thing's over, please let me be part of it. We literally just sit and watch an episode and then talk about it afterwards. That'd be awesome. But no, I think it's just like a business centre. Let's have a little look around. Now what they... We're going to jump to six minutes. Five. Sean's demanded. Oh, what's happened? Advert, wait there. What's it doing? What's it loading? What's it doing? Hang on. Loading some sort of advert. Wait there, guys. Here we go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh. Stop. 
After watch, oh my god! After watching this, I cannot believe what I'm actually seeing. Oh man! Okay, let's get into it. This is where oh, I see where the actual garden is. So that's one of the lean-to greenhouses. It's quite possible that there are actually still some of the fruit in there that. That Harry Dodson tended to. The greenhouse has got no glass. They look absolutely battered, mate. Very quiet, isn't it? It's going to be in it. Don't use it anymore. <laughs> oh, there's the there's the lean-to. Um, in that series that you showed me, mm -hmm. it looks like the, the Victorian lean-to. Yes, Rick watched the wartime series before we came down to the garden. So for you to see this bit of land, this is where they were actually pull, pulling up the trees. It's quite clear that, that 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 is where the central path was there. Is that broken glass? I think it is. Mm. Actually, it looks like polythene from here. Now this building on the right-hand side is the fruit store. This is where they used to store the fruit. Please tell me you got in there, SJC. Please tell me. It's beautiful to see a nice big building. And that straw is about a foot deep in those walls. A foot? Here we are. Here are some of the, out, the outer buildings. Where there's the store pots. And that bit there is where they used to wash the pots. I think the actual garden that we know is on the left hand side there through these big gates. Man. Sean just said he knows the owners now, so when the next time he goes, he's going to go inside. Please let me come. Please. I'm just walking down here because I'm hoping I'll bump into somebody that I can have a word with. Or bring a ladder. Who can direct me in the right place. So that's Harry's cottage there, and then this is the Victorian kitchen garden. All looking very sad, but at least the grass is being kept. So this is where they had some of the crops on the left-hand side. The greenhouses were here on the right. Wow. If you look, there's an archway. Through the archway down the central path would have been the other beds. It's not as bad as what I was expecting. And there's some trees. Look, there's some of the original trees. There. It's not great, though, is it? It's a lot smaller than I thought it would be. I knew you'd say that, Sean. Of course. And there's a bench there. We can sit and contemplate of things that <laughs> had been. I'm quite pleased with, with what I've seen. It's not that bad. Skip a bit. 
So there it is. That's our visit to the Victorian kitchen garden. Obviously, Ned. Garden just beyond that wall. And when you're on this side of the wall and you haven't seen it, it's quite easy to keep that memory alive of a busy garden during the Victorian days with Harry Dodson busy tending to his crops. It wouldn't take much to put a garden like this back into service, but it's just the money. If there were a lot of volunteers, I'm sure it could be done. But it just depends whether the landowner wants something like that done. So should be done. I'm surprised. That it's got to be done. It's a BBC, right? I thought about it. It would be such a... Um, it would be so good, wouldn't it? That'd be so good. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> Ian said, can't you go and offer to restore it? Could do. If you want. You could feel the spirit of Dodson. The spirit of Dodson. I love this programme. This is my new, new favourite programme. I need to watch more episodes. The only way that I'm likely to watch them is if it does go on the flicks. I'll be all over it. All over it. Harry's my new hero. What an absolute legend. Final 15 minutes of tonight's show, team. Oh, my back's really hurting tonight. Worth it to watch that. At the Victorian Kitchen Garden. Oh, by the way, by the way, if you by the way, by the way, if you want to uh Watch that video. It's on uh, the allotment channel with Sean James Cameron. I think I've got it right this week. Yeah, that is what it's called. Go check it out. You can see behind the scenes of uh, what it looks like now. It's a shame. Like, after watching, after watching that, after what seeing how you know how Harry was shooting his gun at them caterpillars to. Uh, to what it's like now. Oh, the whole series on, on Facebook. Kitchen Garden Series. There you go. The whole series is on Facebook. Uh, www.facebook.com forward slash Kitchen Garden Series. Easy as that. Go check it out. An absolute win. I've actually just finished a series on, uh, on Prime, so I'm looking for a new... New thing to get into. <laughs> what <a> legend. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay, team. We've got about 10 minutes left of the show tonight. If you want to call in, you know what to do. It's 0742 357 4520. Click on that, the link. Come and say hello. Or just tell me in the comments what you think. Maybe you've never seen the Victorian Kitchen Garden. Maybe this inspired you to go and watch it. Just go and watch some more of it. It definitely inspired me. There's something about the pace of that show. Like I, I sometimes I sometimes dip in and out of uh Garden's World. It's not, it's not bad. We we slag off a bit here, don't we, sometimes. 
easy to do it, isn't it? It's easy to have a go at something that we're not even part of, but um, I enjoy parts of that. In fact, I'll tell you what parts I really enjoy of Gardner's World. I think I've said it on here before. I really enjoy watching Monty do his bit. I enjoy watching Frosty do his bit when they're in their own gardens. The other little bits, I can I can take them or leave them. I'll be I'll be straight down line you. The ones where they go in, into like well, I, I love Carol, but when she goes into the specifics of stuff, and which is probably why I like this program because it's very much like um, I don't know, it's just watching them do their thing. I mean, the gooseberry thing is, is I'm all over that sort of thing. I love that. I think it's very it's, it's awesome to see that. We have. Uh, Hopwood Hall, just down the road from us, that has been given a lottery grant towards doing it up. Hopwood Dupree, a Hollywood film producer, is putting his money into it as well. We've just nominated a player grand piano to him. What? I'll try and get some pictures of the ground and hours for you. Oh, well, thanks very much, Beddows. That'd be great to see. That's what that needs. The particular, I'll tell you what it needs. is need Netflix to put it on, give it a bit more attention, and then 100 billion percent uh, people will, will want to bring that back into life. I know it. Know it. Jackson. Oh, I'm glad you rejoined us, Jackson. How are you doing, mate? Uh, when we get in the next episode. I know. We're, we're, not, we're not here next week unless you're watching on Friday. Watch on Friday for the the Halloween special because it's half term we're having half term off um, but the next time we do this yes 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 we're 100 billion percent watching our episode I don't know what episode we'll watch uh, Mr Sean James how you doing mate the one thing about that series that I love and a lot of producers and video people forget yeah. is sometimes you have to also direct the silence Hmm. I heard a conductor say many years ago that sometimes you have to create the silence within a piece of music, and I think that is the same when you do a video. Sometimes you've just got to slow things down, put some bird song on for a bit, or show a few flowers. You can't have it busy, busy, busy all all the time. Gardener's World has got it right, whereas yeah. they ha- whereas they haven't in the past. Well, they watch my videos, and that's and that's how they got it. One hundred percent, of course. So that's what they're always watching. Uh, yeah, you're right. Big TV can try and be a bit more quick paced now, doesn't it? Well, I think I've said to you before. It's if you watch like a soap, scenes are only on for about sixty seconds, and then it's on to the next one. I remember you telling me. And what's quite interesting is a lot of people have said they enjoyed Coronation Street more during the lockdown, and that's because they went back to the old style where a scene would stay in the same location for about two minutes because they had to, because they couldn't pack in as many scenes. And a, a lot more people said that they enjoyed that pace of it. Well, that's maybe why I enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that, mate. I need to watch more. So that is, is this the series? This is the first series we watched yeah, of episode yes. eight. So if you go onto that Facebook page, yeah, um, the entire series is on there. And the DVDs are on Amazon to buy, where oh, you yeah. can buy the three series. But I don't know if anybody's got a DVD player at the moment. Probably we don't know um, what they are. But yes, it's quite interesting. And over time, I have grown 
basically everything that you've seen there. So my gooseberries are the same varieties that you saw. Like I said, the peas I've got the I've got those peas that you saw there. Yep. I I, I like I like the. Uh, have you ever been part of a gooseberry competition? I was going to go there, but goose goosebury in Cheshire is one of these places that you really need to have a car. Right. But I found quite funny because in the old days, the first prize was a copper kettle, but now it's an electric kettle. And a few years ago, I contacted Goosebury to see if they still did if they still did it. And they said, yes, we still do the show, and the prize is still an electric kettle. That's beautiful. But I said, oh, is Frank Carter still there? And they said, well, no, Frank Carter's died because he was about 80 when that series was, was uh, filmed. <laughs> <laughs> but Fr- Frank Carter's son is the one that's winning all the prizes with no his father's goose- gooseberries. It's it's uh there's something about the effort that goes into that that um that fascinates me. In one of the other episodes, they talk about um, rhubarb and how you put rhubarb in the dark and you only have candles there. And there's this old Yorkshire guy with a flat cap, and he goes. If you come in here on a winter's night, you can hear the rhubarb growing and popping. Love that. <laughs> Love that, mate. mate but what? Harry says Harry says something in the December in the December edition. Yeah. Harry says something, and I experienced this as well. It could be because I've seen this series. If you go into your garden on Christmas Day, yeah. it's the only day that you feel that the garden is having a rest. There's a bit of a strange feeling if you're going to if you work a garden and you're going on Christmas Day, yeah. is it it sort of has its own feeling about it, as if the garden is saying, "Right, we'll have a rest today, and we'll start again tomorrow." Well, just because of the silence, you think? I think it's because you've given so much to the garden and you've uh, tended it. It's as if the garden is saying, "Right, we'll that the garden will have a break today, yeah, and then tomorrow <laughs> yeah. we'll start again." But then Harry does go, Harry does then go on to say, "But at the end of the day, it could be a lot of nonsense." <laughs> but he <laughs> said, I, "I have felt it every time I've gone into the garden on Christmas Day." He has, he has a certain amount of uncertainty about him. Like he's, I'm not sure what he's going to do next now. Well, he's dead now, so no. I'm not right now. I mean, <laughs> we're not watching him. <laughs> oh, mate! But well, yes, I would encu- I would encourage you to go and watch. In fact, I think you've restarted me to go back to the beginning and watch them all again. Now that all over now it. that the winter's coming. So this is series one. There's three series altogether. Yeah. Yeah, kitchen garden, kitchen, and flower garden. Well, I will be all over this first series at least, um, mate. Thanks so much for for enlightening. Well, I'm going to go on and have a cup of tea now, and well, I will judge my tea to be ready when it looks like the the same strength as cow manure <laughs> in a tank. Don't we? Don't we all? <laughs> Cheers, fella. I'll speak to you later. He's gone. He's just going to see up. <laughs> Uh, well, I've got, I've got to thank him. He's been on, he's been, uh, he's been commenting and um, 
and calling him throughout tonight's show, Mr. Sean James Cameron, because uh, he's the one that, that brought this to my attention. I, I, I promise you, I've never even heard of this series until he mentioned it. Superfan is is not is is not enough <laughs> of a uh, a name for him for this show. I tell you, uh, I watched an episode about growing tobacco. Sean, you have a tobacco plant in your allotment. Smile from Dave. Uh, Robert says, "Really great problem, bro. Problem, <laughs> really great program. I'll be watching the rest soon." There we go. There we go. Uh, Stuart, maybe we'll watch. Maybe we'll watch another episode um, in uh, a few weeks' time. A couple of weeks' time. Anyway, cheers, Sean. Thanks for that. Um, I'll let you know how we get on next week. I've got a week off next week, so we'll be watching, watching that, definitely. Uh, he says, certainly thinking about going into mastermind to my special subject. He'll be all over it. <laughs> He'll be all over Can you... Okay, Sean, Sean James Cameron. Your special subject is the Victorian kitchen garden. Question one. Can you recite the full script for episode four, series two? Yes. Yes, I can. It doesn't matter how he speaks. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, let me know on the socials. And perhaps you'd like to tune in. This is just the best bits. Imagine the actual full show. We're here on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. Every Monday to Thursday, 8 till 10. So if you want to come on, if you want to chat gardening, that is the place to be. Thanks for listening. This is a Skin and Chin Gardener podcast sponsored by Flyro.